When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So despite the fact that 2019 has been one of the best years for precious metals since 2011, specifically I'm talking about the price action to the upside, the last month or two has been characterized mostly by sideways trading in both silver and gold. And sort of the thesis for this podcast today is that I expect that to change pretty quickly here. Yeah, I think that there's, especially in the gold market, a lot of signs, whether it's te- technical signs or otherwise, that lead me to believe that a breakout to one, in one direction or another is is coming. Now, of course, I, I tend to be a little bit more biased to breakouts to the upside, uh, but to some extent, the technical charts, I think, would bear that out. Notably, that gold has found very strong support over the last month or two around the 1480 line. That's not to say that it hasn't fallen below that. It it, it certainly has at points. It's quickly regained that number though. And definitely in the last week or two, we've we've seen very strong support there. Uh, And and as a whole, it's been a while since we've seen gold trading uh, significantly above 1500. It, It seems to struggle to make it much above 1500 certainly above 1510 has been a struggle which wasn't the case back in oh maybe like august and and some might interpret that as a bit of a negative as somehow gold is is losing uh, some of its momentum and and it certainly doesn't have the momentum right now that it had back uh, in in the late summer when when it made its big move up however I see it as very positive for for any market when it continuously moves down and finds support at the same level time and time again. And that's what we've seen in the gold market over the last uh, couple months. Finding support, for the most part, around that 1480 mark with with a couple exceptions. And and what that tells me is that at some point, we're going to see gold move to that level again. It could be right now. It could be whenever. And it's going to bounce off that pretty strongly. It's going to move to the upside, right? If anything, you, you could call what we're seeing right now maybe more of like a, a descending wedge with, with 1480 as a support level and sort of the, the slightly declining price over the last month or so, the, the declining part of this wedge. Generally, I see that as very bullish, especially if gold can manage a breakout to the upside, uh, 1520 even, I think would, would signal that, that higher prices are ultimately uh, around the corner. Now, I don't want to attack this solely from a technical perspective, nor do I want to specifically just talk about gold this entire time. You know, the silver market has been less clear cut in terms of, of key levels and and finding support and resistance as consistently as gold has. Th- there's probably a couple different reasons for that. 
I, I tend to think that the silver market is more volatile. It is a smaller market than the gold market and thus more easily moved by actual market participants or individuals or entities attempting to manipulate or control the price of silver. Uh, but as a whole, even back in the first half of this year, when I was talking about a breakout to the upside for silver and gold, my my longtime listeners will remember that that I talked about how why I'm, I'm watching gold. I'm looking for technical signals. I'm looking for gold to break these levels and that that's going to signal higher higher levels for, for silver. And that's Ultimately, what happened once once gold had broken 1350 and then 1400 and then 1450 and then 1500, you know, as it moved up through those levels, we saw silver catch some of that momentum. And I tend to think that it's going to be the same this time around that we're not going to see silver lead this charge to higher levels. In many ways, I think silver is just waiting for gold to make a move in one direction or the other. So it's a little bit more difficult, I'll be honest, for me to analyze silver from a technical perspective right now, just because the support and resistance levels have been much more varied than they have been for, for gold. Now, that's all fine and dandy talking about these technicals, but you guys know that I'm not a, a huge technicals guy. There, there are many other very good channels here on YouTube or in the podcast world that, that cover those very well. I'm thinking of, of iGold Advisor and, uh, um, I'm, his name escapes me now. I want to say it's, it's like, Chris Aaron, but but I feel bad for not even remembering it now. But he does excellent work there, as well as if you subscribe to McIlvany Financial, they do their weekly podcast. But they also have uh, two individuals who, again, their names are escaping me, do a once a week podcast with a heavy focus on technicals. And additionally, uh, Craig Hemke and his uh, TFMR podcast covers this very well at length. But you know that technicals when it comes to to price action for me, is just part of it. I'm a guy that focuses on fundamentals for the long term, as well as sort of short to medium term moves in, in the markets and market events and whatnot. And, and and all of that is, to me, also pushing to the upside. It's an upward pressure for silver and gold. You know, I think in the next month or so, this this relatively low volatility that we've experienced here in the markets in in the United States and, and around the world is is going to come to an end. Now it's hard to say exactly what's going to cause that. Um, I think China is certainly a large uh, player in this. Uh, corporate debt markets here in the United States play a role in this. There's many other reasons for why I think that's the case. But I think that yes, volatility is going to to swing to the upside pretty soon here. And more importantly, I think as, as economic growth continues to, to lag here in the United States and, and around the world, the Fed is going to be forced into to a greater and greater amount of action in terms of, of quantitative easing and uh, lowering interest rates. You know, that's one of the really interesting things that we've seen in the, the silver and gold markets just in the past couple of weeks is their lack of reaction to the Federal Reserve and their new easing programs. And, and I don't necessarily think it's because it's priced in. I, I think there was 
you know, with the big move up earlier this year in silver and gold, there was a certain amount of pricing in of quantitative easing. But I don't think that pricing in was was a pricing in of it occurring at this point in the game. I think quantitative easing right now, whatever Jerome Powell wants to call it, it's quantitative easing. It's money creation. It's happening much earlier than than many experts and many market market participants expected. And so that's another thing that I'm keeping my eye on for for it to play a role in the silver and gold markets. Um, as this continues, as we move into 2020, I you know I'm on the record for saying a couple, probably a week ago now, week or two ago now, that this quantitative easing is likely never going to stop. That the current $60 billion a month of treasury bills that the, the Fed is buying through the first quarter of 2020 is going to be increased along the way, I think. And, and we've already seen it. I mean, let's be honest. It already is an, inc- it already is a, in addition to other balance sheet expansion tools. I'm talking about, uh, the Fed's, uh, repo programs, which are well over a hundred billion dollars now. But I think it's going to be added to along the way between now and the then the end of the first quarter of 2020. But beyond that, I think it's going to certainly be extended. I, I don't think uh, this QE program is, is ever going to end. It's going to change. It's going to move beyond just bills to other assets or to other you know longer dated treasuries. But I don't think it's going to end because I think for the Fed to pull this type of support from the market would be very very dangerous, right? Much like quantitative tightening was pretty dangerous for them to, to carry out. Necessary, I would argue, but dangerous. And so I think that those factors are going to play into it as well. You know, we're, we're seeing the Fed really give two different signals to the market here and to the uh, people watching the economy. Uh, on, on one hand, they're saying everything's fine, that there's nothing really to be worried about, that risks are relatively balanced. I mean, I I could be a Fed chairman, right? The way you hear me talk, right? I'm, I'm calming. Those types of words, you know, a robust economy or, or we're, we're seeing such and such repo market or whatever, it's contained. Those are the types of words that the Fed would likely or have used to describe the current economic picture. But on the other hand, their actions are signaling something entirely different. They have their massive repo market operations as well as their quantitative easing. And... I think we can expect some uh, some more rate cuts, certainly by the end of the year. At least one, if not more. And so the Fed is really sending two different messages here. And I think, unfortunately, in the last month or two, precious metals, uh, the markets seem to be responding more to the words than they are to the actions. But again, I think that's going to change. And And at the end of the day, I mean, what the Fed is in the business of right now, through quantitative easing, through lower interest rates, is is currency debasement. And that's ultimately what's taking place here when we look big picture. Never mind what the markets are interpreting it as or how they're reacting. There's a reason that metals move to the upside in general when a central bank eases. It's because it it damages the currency, damages the strength of the currency, and ultimately will lead to more inflation. And that's what the Fed is undertaking right now. I mean, they're inflating the monetary supply. They're lowering interest rates. And so if nothing else, you know, over the next month, you know, if the, the markets don't immediately respond in anticipation of those effects occurring because of the Fed easing, well, 
it doesn't change the fact that those effects are still going to occur. A weaker dollar, more currency debasement, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think that there's a sense right now in the markets that somehow the Fed action has has stopped any chance of a, a major crisis from occurring, crisis averted, if you will. But, but I don't view it from that perspective at all. I think that recession dynamics, and, and I promise I'm circling this back to precious metals here in a second, but I think that the, the recession dynamics and, and psychology has to come to the conversation here. The U.S. and much of the world is heading towards a recession. And what the Fed is doing right now is going to do very little to change that. And, and at the corporate level and at the consumer level, recession psychology generally begets lower and lower economic growth. Poor economic growth leads to lower and lower economic growth because of, of the psychology of, of fear and of savings versus spending, etc., now, the government, the Fed, they're going to do things to try and stimulate those those uh, actions. Um, but again, we're, we're talking about much larger actions, much more drastic actions than, than what we're expecting right now. And so, to circle this back to precious metals, uh, again, from a technical perspective, I think a breakout to the upside is imminent. Next week or two, in fact. But furthermore, I think that the, the Federal Reserve, because of the U.S. and global economic picture, as well as some of this recession psychology, is going to push for for easier and easier monetary policy. And that's going to be a boon for precious metals as well. Now, you know, I could talk more at length about uh, supply and demand. That's the fundamental side of things, right? I, I, when it comes to precious metals, I focus on technicals. I focus on market uh, events such as Fed action or crashes or big moves in, in various markets, interest rates and all that. But then the, the supply and demand fundamentals for precious metals are important as well. And that's a little bit longer term. And, and certainly everything we're talking about here plays a role in that. Um, but I think that the, the big fireworks in the, especially on the demand side for precious metals, aren't really going to get started until we see a big move to the upside, a big move to the downside for, for, uh, for the dollar. And, and of course for other fiat currencies as well. And we see a major recession underway. So I'd appreciate the, uh, feedback, your thoughts on, on this podcast. Leave me a comment down below in the comment section or else just shoot me an email at w23matt at gmail.com. As always, if you want to support me, uh, liking, commenting, subscribing, leaving a review for this podcast, those things help me out a ton even more than just watching this here in the first place. But if you do want to go above and beyond, I do have a Patreon. There's a link below in the description. A ton of great perks, including a once-weekly uh, Patreon-exclusive podcast if you're just not quite getting your fix of Silver Fortune for my regular content. Uh, you can check that out as well. Um, as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.